0: Theology Thursday live again and we're going through this book. It's by a Puritan writer but one of the things we're trying to do is to what my wife calls break it on down so that these things are um, more easily understood. Um, Not because you're not smart enough to understand it but it's written a while back and um, you know trying to listen to something. You want to hear just somebody read something and Um, It's about repentance though, the doctrine of repentance, you know, not just, you know, he's getting into the idea of, you know, you know, part of the gospel message is, you know, Jesus Christ has died for sinners, um, for all who would call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, you shall be saved, repent, turn from your sin, turn to Christ. So this is the idea of repentance. What is repentance? Um, and we kind of, it's one of those words we hear, but if you really had to define it, you know, could you define it well? And so, you know, this little book, it's not a thick book, and it might not be something you would pick up and read necessarily, but it's a good book. I'm just going to read little parts of it, explain it, and talk about it, and see what gospel repentance really is, what it looks like. How you can say, you know, have I truly repented? Do I have true gospel repentance? How do I recognize it in others? How do I... Um, you know, talk about trying to get other people to, you know, look at their lives and look at Christ. And there's two types. This is, Tom, this is what it looks like. Hold up to a mirror and you will be able to see it perfectly. Puritan paper bags, Thomas Watson, Doctrine of Repentance. We're in chapter six. And he's going to talk about today saying that all types of people, he says all types of people need to repent. Everybody does. But he talks about how different types of people have different needs for repentance. He talked, I think, last time what did we talk about we talked about people who were in government talked about average people who you know in his the country of england he in his particular place people who are flagrant sinners and today he's going to talk about people who he calls them civil persons and what he means is people who are you know they're comparatively they're pretty good people they they you know they're they're not the basket of deplorables necessarily. You know, they're just they're they, they outwardly are conformed to standards of behavior that we would all say is good. Okay, is a pretty good person. He's going to say those people, um, if they aren't, if they don't have the gospel, if they aren't saved, if they aren't experiencing gospel repentance, even for that person. Um, it's no good. And then he's going to talk about hypocrites. And so, yeah, two different kind of people. They both externally look good. One, they are sincerely doing good things in the world. There are are good people who aren't Christians as far as how do you you define the word good. And in this sense, it's compared to community standards. And then, um, and Jesus, of course, famously says you know why do you call me good there are none who are good none but God alone you know because the guy didn't know who he was talking to and he, he thinks him just to be a teacher and he calls him good teacher so he goes right to the to the issue which is why do you call me good let's talk about what goodness is because he knew what was in this man's heart and that's what he needed to hear okay and that's what we need to hear um, one, we should be good. you need to be better people. we can be better. we strive to be better. we want to be better. We use as Christians Christ as our as our standard of um, how did he live? How did he we see you know humbled himself forgiving giving people these sorts of things but mere imitation of Christ isn't salvation. it is the, it's repentance and faith in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. And then as believers, we should um, seek to imitate Christ in his, the way that he thought and looked at things. So this is what he talks about first. Repentance is necessary for civil persons. And he used the word civil in this case, like you know civility. You know, you're, you're, you're nice, you're a good person, you're outwardly good. He says, these have no visible spots on them. Okay, So you see them, look at them, they seem like very good people. They are free from gross sin, uh, and one would think that they had nothing to do with the business of repentance. Now he does make the point, he says they're free of gross sin. What he means by gross sin is um, flagrant, you know, they aren't out there doing... He's not saying they're sinless, and nobody would claim that they're sinless, but when people look at them, their lives are pretty good people. And So that's what he's saying, They at least they appear good, and they seem to be good people. Uh, But they need repentance. You would think maybe they don't, but he says, yes, they do. Um, These are often in the worst condition. These are they who need no repentance. And so they think they don't need repentance. Their civility undoes them. So their personal goodness or their personal um, comparative righteousness undoes them. They make a Christ of it. And so on this shelf they suffer shipwreck. So in other words, they're using their righteousness, their goodness as salvation. I'm good enough, and to what? To get into heaven. And I've talked to people. You know, it's like I asked one person before. So if, if everyone was as good as you are, would Jesus would would Jesus needed to have died? No. I was like. Uh. You know, you know, he didn't understand where they were until I asked that I was sensing it so I asked that question. And then I've asked people, you know, here's the level, you know, if you gotta be if you have to be this good to get into heaven, um, how good are you? And so, you know, it depends on the person, but there are people who will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I don't want really to brag and say, oh, I'm more than good enough to get into heaven, but, you know, a lot of people say, I'm, I'm, I'm at least, you know, I'm probably barely, I, I'm barely good enough to get in, I'm, I'm, I'd get in, and it's like, well, the, the problem with this is, it's like, you know, how good do you have to be to get into heaven? Well, two problems. One, it's holiness and perfection. So you, it's off the roof. And secondly, it's like you can't, you we're already undone with that in covenant with Adam anyway. We've lost the ability to be saved by works anyway. But let's just say you could. Um, the standard is perfection. And then to, for us to think that we're here somewhere, you know, wherever the standard is, to believe that you're, you know, even if you're not good enough, you still help. You know, Hitler's probably here and you're maybe here in the middle. Is Hitler still considered like the worst person. So anyway, um, so you're here. But what we realize over time is holiness is more than we ever imagined it. And then our sin is worse than we ever imagined. So that the distance between us and the standard as believers, you start to see it gets worse. And so you can feel like, you know, I'm going backwards. I'm getting further and further away from God. It's like, no, you're not getting further and further away from God. You're recognizing the distance between your moral ability or your morality and what's demanded by by holiness. And so we like to think, you know, I have to be good enough to get into heaven. Why do you want to think that? Because what reality will, will eventually enter in where you will see holiness is so much higher. I don't. I mean, repeat myself over and over, but the standard is perfection and holiness. The Bible repeats it over and over. Be holy as I am holy. You are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But we're not, and we're, our sin is so much worse than we can possibly imagine. Um, who is it? John, Jack Collins, Jack, Jack, uh, I'll think of his name in a minute. But he, uh, has, he has a saying, he who shall not be remembered right now, um, that cheer up, you're a lot worse than you think you are. But God's grace is far greater than you ever imagined. So it's the spanning of this gap that Jesus, God, this is how God loved the world. He sent his son into the world in order that those who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He, he bridges that that gap that can never be bridged. He enters into our Misery, our brokenness, our sin, he lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, provides us with his righteousness so that we are more than complete to be able to get in in Jesus Christ. But a person who believes that they are good enough cannot accept the need for a savior know if ray smith is still watching but he so he popped up for a second here He's one of my taekwondo buddies and um, one of the things you know we have a student that would walk in for for anything really i guess but particularly taekwondo These guys could come in young guys in particular and man kick stretch run jump i mean they had so much natural ability that you can teach me anything I mean, they had way more natural ability than I ever possessed at all, but you couldn't teach them anything because they they were already so good. But you get somebody that comes in and they have lots of natural ability, but they don't recognize it. They're humble about it. They are willing to learn and to to do better. And especially if you get somebody in that when the parent would – uh, apologize for their kid because they can't do jumping jacks or they can't do anything. I'm sorry. My kid, you know, he doesn't have, I'm like, Oh, that kid's mine forever. You know, I teach that kid to do a jumping jack. I teach that kid to do things all of a sudden, because nobody else is teaching stuff. Mostly, and mostly what happens in the sport world and the academic world sometimes and in our world is people look for talent and they just grab the talent and then they do a little bit of work on it. And it's like, look what I did. It's like, well, Okay, I I wanted to be a type person. I want I want a teacher because that's what I needed. Well, somebody to be able to look at me and say, "Man, your why is your foot in that position? Why are you holding your shoulder like that?" You know. But the only people that are willing to listen to those types of critiques and instruction are people who really want to improve. People who want to learn. And It's very similar with with people when it comes to faith. If a person already believes they're good enough, if a person believes that they're so bad, they can't get better. It's similar things, but um, a person who believes they're good enough, it's it's very difficult. So this is who he's addressing. I took an excursus there. He says, their civility undoes them. They they make a Christ of it, and so on this shelf they suffer shipwreck. Morality shoots short of heaven. So morality, your personal morality, not good enough to get you into heaven. It is only nature refined. A moral man is but old Adam dressed in fine clothes. The only way he's talking about is this covenant. Adam broke, Adam and Eve. Adam ate in the garden, and in that day you shall surely die. He broke the covenant for all mankind. This is taught throughout the Bible how he represented us. But so without coming to Christ and without you're in Adam and you can put on the best clothes, you can talk the best you can, but inside um, there's no conversion. And then you're not going to have enough morality to get you into heaven. He says, civility is insufficient for salvation. Though the life be moralized, the lust may be unmortified. All right, mortification means to put to death. So you might um, um, become more moral in your life, but the lusts that are in there, you haven't put them to death yet. Um, the heart may be full of pride and atheism, okay? You're good, but you don't believe in God and you believe you're God necessary. You know it's like that kind of thing happens. Pride um, under, but you know but a good person, except for this. Under the fair leaves of a tree, there may be a worm. Now, I'm not saying repent that you're civil, but that you are no more than civil. He said, don't repent that you're good, but that you're no more than good. Satan entered the house that had been swept and garnished. And this is, anyway, it talks about Luke eleven twenty six. 26, the emblem of a moral man who is swept by civility and garnished with common gifts, but is not washed by true repentance. So just doing better um, isn't what the gospel calls us to. That's not how you're saved. If civility were sufficient to salvation, if doing good things was enough to get you saved, then Christ need not have died. The civilian has a fair lamp, but it lacks the oil of grace. So uh, that's kind of an interesting way to put it. But he's basically saying, one, you can't live your life good enough to get into heaven. And then the flip side of that, therefore is, since Jesus is the one who is good enough, and if you're hidden in him, then it's not based on your, your works. The way he loves you, he loved us while we were yet sinners. So you have to really get this idea of, if you're in Christ and you're really trusting in him and you recognize your, your sin and your need of him, and you're, you're even though you still sin still dwells within in some way, you're not perfect yet, you're not holy, but Christ is and you're hidden in him and you're complete in him, and your life begins to change. There should be fruit of this working in your heart, but that fruit is not the basis of your salvation. It's not the basis of God's love for you, so we have to be careful. Um, with those things, all right. So then he says next, and this is the last thing we're talking about today: is repentance is necessary for hypocrites? All right, we yes, all right. Well, nobody has a problem with that. Nobody likes hypocrites. People won't go to church. If, I mean, that's one of the things. It's full of hypocrites, you know. It's like, um, and so the answer I've heard people say, well, come on and join us. There's always room for one more, you know. So I don't think that's necessarily the the best type of response but you know it's like there is a certain amount of um uh, truth of goodness in um because i think a lot of this is sanctimoniousness it's not that people think you're being a hypocrite but you're acting like you're better than everybody else in that sense as hypocrite means one who's playing a role one who's pretending one an actor so to speak so um you know, t- technically a hypocrite is one who's pretending to be a believer, but they're not. Um, and that's what we're being accused of. But um, I don't know that people outside the church, you know, I mean, you're going to get accused of a lot of things. And so what's best is to go ahead and admit where our sin is, admit how far short we fall. But, um, you know, being but being at some point to be able to say, Paul, follow me as I follow Christ to be able to say, you know, I'm not... I'm not your savior and I'm not your standard of righteousness, but I know the one who is, and we and we trust in Him and we're trying to do better. And if you if you don't want to join a church because it's full of hypocrites, it's like. Eh you're not going to find you're 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 waiting for heaven and god has placed us here on earth to be fitted together as living stones being built together in a temple to be part of a body um christians are not supposed to be living outside of the church um, i can be say, can, can i go to heaven without going to church it's like well you know can i go do i do i really have to abstain from killing people to get into heaven you know stuff like that do i have to it's like this is what God has provided for us in order to be able to grow and to know Him better is the body of Christ, the church, a local church. Find a local church body that believes in Christ and if it has flaws and it does, maybe um, they need your gifts and you need them and go and talk with them and pray with them. And if you're rejected for asking um, questions, I mean, you know you got to be careful, examine yourself and make sure what you're doing, you're doing in love, and that you're grounded in the Word, find a church that's willing to open up scriptures. And be willing to handle questions and problems that you have, um, as long as they're willing to look at, at the Word of God together. So hypocrites, I mean, such as allow themselves in the sin. Okay, so hip, hypocrisy is the counter counterfading of sanctity, pretending to be holy. The hypocrite or stage player has gone a step beyond the moralist. And dressed himself in the garb of religion. He pretends to a form of godliness but denies his power. Okay, so it's not just somebody that's trying to be good, but somebody's trying to be good and religious. You know, here I am, I I go to church, I pray to God, I got my Bible, you know, all these things, and they're making a show of their religion. And so these people are the hypocrites, he's saying that need to repent. He says that he makes a magnificent show. He is a rotten post fairly gilded. In other words, a rotten piece of wood's got gold wrapped around it. Well, gold's good, but inside are dead man's bones. He is seemingly good so that he may really be bad. (laughs) That's interesting. He appears to be good so he can really get away with stuff. The hypocrite seems to have his eyes nailed to heaven, but his heart is full of impure lustings. He lives in secret sin against his conscience. He hears the word, but it is all ear. He is for temple devotion. In other words, he goes to church and does all these religious things where others may look upon him and admire him, but he neglects family and closet prayer. Indeed, if prayer does not make a man leave sin, sin will make him leave prayer. That's interesting. We need to be people of prayer. I need to write that down somewhere. If prayer does not make a man leave sin, sin will make him leave prayer. The hypocrite feigns or pretends to humility, but it is that he may rise in the world. So he pretends to be humble, but only so that people think more of him. It's interesting. Um, He is a pretender to faith, but he makes use of it rather for a cloak than a shield. That's interesting too, is faith. your faith a shield protecting you from the fiery darts of Satan or is it a cloak hiding things so you can get away with all sorts of things? He carries his Bible under his arm but not in his heart. That's another good line there, man. He carries the Bible under his arm but not in his heart. Just a few more, like last paragraph. Let me speak my mind freely. None will find it more difficult to repent than hypocrites. They have so juggled in religion that their treacherous hearts know not how to repent. They, they, they're they fooling themselves. They have believed the lie they presented after a while. Um, so you would think you can just tell somebody, hey, you're being hypocritical, man, you need to repent of it. And, and they might not even recognize it. They've lied to themselves for so long. He said, it's sad upon a, a double account. He says, such as are guilty of prevailing hypocrisy, let them fear and tremble. Their condition is sinful and sad. Firstly, because the art of deceit cannot hold long. So people are going to eventually see that they're just hypocrites. Secondly, because God's anger will fall heavier upon hypocrites. They dishonor God more and take away the gospel's good name. I mean, at least somebody out there sinning and sinning, that's not claiming to be a Christian isn't bringing a shame upon the name of Christ. Matthew twenty-four fifty-one. he says, Hell is called the place of hypocrites. So... You know, so people who are moralistically good and actually have a show of it, they need to repent because their goodness isn't good enough to get into heaven. So it's something to think about, and it's hard to convince people who are trusting in their own goodness of their need for a Savior. Hey, hey, Mr. Kyle. Um, And then people who are hypocrites that um, play the role. They're in danger. So, you know, be careful that that's not us, that we don't just carry the Bible under our arm, that we carry it in our hearts. Um, So... um, I think a lot of this is, you know, sharing the gospel with other people. Help them to see, you know, if you're trusting in your goodness, um, you don't you don't need to trust in your goodness. You need to trust in the Savior. Uh, if you're, you are know somebody that you think is playing a role, the hypocrite or something, um, I don't know. I mean, you just have to live gospel truth out in front of people. You need to be able to see, uh, you know, hopefully if somebody sees, like if somebody's, I don't know it, they see somebody truly savoring christ in their life you know it's just like anybody else maybe they'll see you and desire your father in heaven they'll see your good deeds and glorify the father they'll see your light they'll they'll, they'll, they'll experience your salt they'll 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 see there's something missing and something that they'll want and they need to hear the gospel and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ so stay in the word yourself make sure you're being personally transformed by the holy spirit the means of grace you need to to find a group of believers that you can worship with that so that you can be a part of the body of christ and um and then you know help them grow help them to to um and help them to help you grow and then um Stay in the Word, and when you're talking to people about things, you need to know the Bible well enough to be able to speak true words of God to people in love and humility, preaching the gospel to yourself the whole time, too. Um, So anyway, who needs repentance? Everybody needs repentance, especially good people and hypocrites. So, hey, I'm good. Or do I just pretend to be? God bless.